Hey everyone, welcome to BU Only Better or BYOB Audio. This podcast was started to help listeners like you find a way to be your best self, but not change who you are. We want you to be the best you while on your journey to a happier and more fulfilling life. Tune in to hear personal stories of how people face their fears and overcome their struggles to become a better version of themselves. Thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of BYOB Audio. Last time we had a very, very special guest, the number one cocaine drug trafficker in America in the 1970s and early 80s and past head of U.S. operations of the drug cartel that later became known as the Medellin Drug Cartel. Listen to this amazing twist in fate that ultimately led Dr. George Valdez to leave the drug empire behind and turn to a life of service. An epic revelation and story that you truly do not want to miss. Today I have an amazingly special guest, Lisa Marie Pepe. Um, she is a confidence coach and an online visibility expert for passionate, purpose-driven entrepreneurs, a four-time number one international best-selling author and co-creator of the Art of Unlearning Anthology, series and mindset mastery for entrepreneurs. She's also a motivational speaker with plans to deliver her first TEDx talk in 2020. So among other things, she definitely has a lot of education. Um, she has masters and over several years, she's been a successful virtual assistant and social media manager. She also empowers clients to fully embrace their unique gifts and talents by providing them skills that they need to develop rock solid confidence, be vibrantly visible online, and turn their wisdom into wealth. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and welcome Lisa Marie Pepe to the show. Hi, Joshua. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, of course. Well, I just want to say thank you for, you know, taking the time to, you know, be here with us and share your expertise. Obviously, through passion for helping people. And we absolutely love that. So go ahead and tell us a little bit more about you just kind of fill in the blanks. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things that you have going on. You're super popular <laughs> around the world. So go ahead and tell us a little <laughs> bit more about you. Um, that's very funny. <laughs> popular around the world. I don't know about that. But that, that's my aim, right? My aim is to be global, right? It is to be a household name. Um, but mostly, I want to be remembered for the impact, right? Um, that I'm making in the world. And that's to really empower others to step into their full power, you know, discover what their purpose truly is, and then to live that confidently. And so I do work mainly with entrepreneurs, um, helping them just overcome the obstacles that are blocking them, right? I feel like as human beings, by the time we get to adulthood, we're sort of scarred with so many different things that have happened over our lifetime. And so many of us, I feel like are walking around as like the wounded children that we were that never healed, right? Like we're walking around with these wounds that we, we, you know, suffered as children, as young adults, uh, even during college years, early adulthood. And now here we are, and we're still trying to figure this thing out. And everyone's sort of walking around pretending like they have it figured out, but none of us have it figured out. And, you know, for me, um, I'm very transparent about a lot of the things that I've gone through because I truly want to help others. So I mean, I can easily spot other people's insecurities or their fear. Um, and then I just really help them kind of assess that and, and, and push through it. We can't go around fear, right? We can't jump over fear. We have to push through the fear. And so that is one of the main things that I do with the women and men that I work with. 
And of course, once they become confident in themselves, then it's time to turn on the burners and go for the visibility, go for the the, uh, the impact and the wealth creation, right? Because those things don't happen unless someone feels confident in themselves and about themselves first. Wow, that's awesome. You know, I can say just from my experience of working with, you know, people who are ultimately trying to do something similar, you know, I've been a massage therapy instructor for over five years. And that's literally the number one thing is confidence um, in your own skills and in yourself. Yes. As all of our listeners know, we always start off the show with a unique shot of wisdom. So what do you have for us today? So it's going to be so overwhelmingly simple yet difficult. And that is to love yourself unconditionally and accept yourself radically. And that is by far the the one thing that I have learned to do, which has actually transformed my entire life and the way that I view myself and view others. Um, it's truly, it has to be unconditional self-love and radical self-acceptance. Just understanding that you are not perfect. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen along the way. But to beat yourself up and to live with shame and guilt and remorse and all of these awful, icky feelings that people are carrying around, it's like carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. And I truly believe that if we're able to heal ourselves and truly love ourselves, and truly accept ourselves, that's how we help others to heal. And we help the community to heal and the town and the state and the country and the community and the government, right? And the and the, the world at large, right? That's how we help the whole society to heal is really to love ourselves and accept ourselves first. I love that. That is such a great piece of advice. I think that oftentimes we're, we're probably our hardest critic. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I can definitely tell just by the way that you explain things that everything that you say just comes from experience. And, you know, we are all about stories here. So, you know, go ahead and take us to a time that you would consider was your biggest struggle, you know, and kind of where all of that particular wisdom that you just shared with us kind of came from. Well, I've got a couple of stories. <laughs> but the one that I'd like to share here with the listeners is mostly about after having gone through I would say I mean you know a technical term essentially but I would say that I sort of hit a crossroads in my life and I went through a really difficult period it was back in 2011 at the time I was working as a licensed massage therapist and I loved it I really loved it um I had just opened my own practice and I finally felt like it, that I had found the thing, right? The, the one thing that I was searching for for so long. I was about 31 years old at the time. And even though I had gone to graduate school twice prior to becoming a licensed massage therapist, um, I had burnt out in those fields. And those two fields were education and clinical psychology. So at about 26, I had my first experience, maybe 27, with actual burnout. That was when I was working in clinical psychology and kind of got my feet back on the ground in going into massage therapy. And I was feeling amazing. And I was driving home one night and someone sideswiped me on the highway. A truck barreled into me on driver's side going, you know, 75, 80 miles an hour. And I got injured. I injured my neck and injured my shoulder. 
as anyone knows, when you're a body worker of any kind and your body gets injured, it's, it's pretty detrimental. And so for me, I really tried my best to kind of walk it off, if you will, right? Um, I didn't see any blood and I didn't see any broken bones poking out. So I assumed that I would be absolutely fine because that's kind of the mentality I had. I'd always been an athlete. I had always trained hard. Um, you know, no blood, no fall, right? That was sort of the mentality. And I was in the prime, I would say, of my physical peak. I was working out a lot. I was lifting. I had a very physical job. So I was in great shape. And I'm like, you know what? A little whiplash. I'm going to be fine. Yes, I hurt my shoulder, but it'll be fine except it wasn't fine. And as time went on, I found myself getting more and more uh, discouraged, more and more anxious. I was forced to be out of work, you know, doctor's orders essentially um, for about three weeks. And at the time I thought that was the worst thing in the world because I did not know how to be still with myself back then. I didn't know how to I didn't know how to be alone without feeling lonely. And so that like a curse to me, right? It felt like, oh my God, you want me just to sit still for three weeks? Like, I don't know how to do that. And in hindsight, it's like, well, <laughs> if I had only known what was coming, right? Three weeks would have been nothing. But long story short, I did attempt to go back to work a couple of times and this radiating pain just shot all the way up my arm straight into my neck. Every time I tried to go back it was on the left side. And then I started to develop panic attacks on the way to work because I was afraid of the pain, right? We developed these really weird mechanisms. You know, we developed these defense mechanisms because we want to avoid, right? We want to avoid pain at all costs. And so my way of avoiding pain was to go into full-blown panic as I'm driving to the massage therapy spa where I work. So then, of course, like, how can you possibly be grounded and be serving someone and be fully present? You're physically hurting and psychologically, you're, you know, all over the place and emotionally you're, you're revved up and you're not, not in control of your thoughts and your heart is racing. So I knew that the best thing for me to do was to resign. And... When I made that decision, I was devastated. I remember talking to my boss, but I thought, okay, I'll get back on my feet. I'll figure this out and I'll get better somehow. Yeah. Except <laughs> the shoulder kept getting worse and worse. And within a few months of having resigned from the job, closing my practice, not being able to work out, which again was something that was so near and dear to my heart. Oh, I was one of these gym rats. That's where I loved hanging out. It's where my endorphins came from. And suddenly couldn't, couldn't go, you know, go to the gym, couldn't do that, couldn't go to work. And I found myself in this really helpless, hopeless kind of state. Um, I felt really depressed. I felt anxious all the time. I was just sort of existing. And so I took these really crappy jobs. Even with two master's degrees, it didn't even occur to me to think about going back into a professional setting because I felt really awful about myself. I blamed myself for the accident. I kept going over and over in my head. If I had only slowed down or if I had only not followed the person who hit me because my adrenaline was running so high that that's what I did. Um, if I had only taken a different exit, if I only left a little bit earlier or later, right? We do all these crazy things in our head. 
And again, the, the neck and the shoulder kept getting worse and worse. And I had doctors telling me things like, well, we did the MRI and we don't see anything. So, you know, essentially it's in your head. That's what I was told after about six months. Now, being a massage therapist and an athlete, I knew my body and I knew something was wrong, you know, from an, from an anatomy perspective, I knew something was wrong. But again, you know, as a person, what can I do? I can't diagnose myself and then, you know, go give myself an MRI. So then I was living with that shame and that guilt, right, of the doctor saying to me, well, you know, this is all in your head and you, you know, gave me some diagnosis of fibromyalgia, which I did not have at the time. And the next two years were just really, really awful. They were awful. I, I, I really stopped living. I, I, and I really, I was just existing. I took really awful jobs. Um, I worked as a telemarketer for like $8 an hour and I got fired from that job because I, apparently I wasn't selling enough doors and windows and roofing to complete strangers on the phone. Hmm. Uh, my boss had not even graduated high school and here I was two master's degrees getting, you know, berated, yelled at, sends me home, tells me not to come back. And I'm like beside myself, right? I'm like, oh my God, this job was everything. Again, right? Thinking about how how skewed my self-perception was. At the time, I thought it was the worst thing in the world that could have happened. I got fired from a telemarketing job. And I was like, and I remember the conversation I had with myself on the way home. I was berating myself. I was like, see, you're such a loser. You can't even keep this job. Like, that's ridiculous. You know, like... Yeah, anybody can get a telemarketing job and you just got fired. I mean, I was so mean to myself. I was like a mean girl to myself and kind of like had to go home and lick my wounds and pick myself up again. But I still hadn't learned that I deserved better yet. So I took a couple of more jobs that were all thankless, you know, soul sucking, you know, mind numbing <laughs> minimum wage jobs. And I finally wound up working for a gym. Now, the job itself wasn't a bad job, but it was just that. It was a job. It wasn't a career. It wasn't a vocation. It wasn't a calling. It was a job. And I was a front desk clerk at the gym. But part of my work included cleaning up the bathroom at the end of the night. And I spent about seven months there. I want to say I worked about seven months there. And again, it wasn't an awful job, but it certainly wasn't something that like I aspired, like that would be my life's goal, my life's career to be a front desk clerk at, at the gym. Right? right. And again, I was still dealing with all the physical stuff too. That did get better. That was going on simultaneously. And so of course, when you're in physical pain every day, that, that just kind of, <laughs> kind of dampens everything a little bit. And here I was working this job. And at the end of the night, I'm in the restroom to go clean the bathrooms because that was part of the job. And I was in there and this woman who was a member came in and we'd gotten to know each other just through talking because even though I was struggling with myself, I was always kind to other people. And I remember having conversations with her when she'd be working out or she'd come in and ask her how her day was, etc. And I was in the bathroom that night cleaning and she happened to catch me in there. It was just she and I were in there. 
And she said to me, Lisa, can I ask you a question? And I looked up and I said, sure, what, what's up? And she said, what are you doing? And I looked at her and I said, I'm cleaning up and getting ready to, you know, cash out and go home. I said, what's it look like I'm doing? And she said, no, I don't, I don't mean that. And I'm thinking, okay, where is she going with this one? And she says, I mean, what are you really doing? And again, you know, my little mammalian brain that was acting more like a reptilian brain at the moment was like, I don't know, I'm cleaning the trash receptacles, like I'm emptying waste products. I'm like, what are you, what are you looking for? Right. And the third time she looked at me, she just said, I don't mean, what are you doing right now? And this is exactly her word. She said to me, I mean, what are you doing with your life? She said, why on earth would you stay here doing a job that quite frankly, a child who doesn't even have a high school diploma could do, wasting your time, wasting your talent, working for you know, diddly squat pay. You have no benefits. You have no health insurance. You're working nights. You're working weekends. Why? Why are you hiding? Why are you here? And then she went on to say, I've talked to you. I, I am very intuitive. I know that you have a deeper calling. I know that you are supposed to be helping other people in such a bigger way. She said, but you have to ask yourself, why are you hiding here? And I was stunned. I had nothing. I could not speak. Because for the first time since that accident, this happened in latter part of 2013, and I'd had the accident in 2011. That was the first time in almost three years, about two and a half years had passed before someone actually called me out on my own BS, had the courage to call me out and ask me why I was, why I was hiding why I was not an active participant in my own life. Yeah, that is crazy. Um, honestly, those, uh, I guess you can call them like come to Jesus moments. Um, That's always, exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they always hit you just at the weirdest times or the most unexpected times. Um, so yeah, there's actually a lot to take in here. Um, and just a couple things as you were telling your story. Um, I swear that we are like sim so similar in, in our stories. <laughs> it is crazy. Um, so in terms of the accident, you know, let's start there with like just recovering physically. I know there's a huge mental aspect to this that we're going to get into, but in terms of physically recovering, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of times where, you know, we're just going on about uh, our everyday life and then something comes in and just stops us in our tracks. And, uh, you know, you were just saying how uh, you just got to where you felt like, okay, this is where I want to be. This is where um, it's it's going to be good. And then now you're physically incapable of a, of being able to do that now. So um, in terms of trying to get back, I know you said that you were trying to go back, but to be um, unable to do that. I mean, what were you trying to do to help yourself recover physically? So I was very impatient with myself. And I thought, okay, I will go to the chiropractor and the physical therapist for one week, two weeks, and then I want to be done. I want this all to be done. I want my, I want my neck and my shoulder to feel amazing. And I want to go back to the gym. And I just want to go back to work. 
And that's pretty much what I thought. So I did not give myself time to properly heal. For me, two weeks felt like an eternity. And when he said I had to be out three weeks, I just about started to sob because I felt like, oh my God, I can't do this. Like I was such a gym rat and like addicted to working out that it literally felt like someone had pulled away, like, you know, my coping mechanism and my, my daily dose of like, <laughs> you know, endorphins. Like, and, and I was like, I, I can't sit still for that long. How can I do that? Right. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to say, you know, I'm super glad that you ended up making it out of the accident. I mean, most of those accidents are fatal. So, I mean, I'm glad. Yes, that absolutely. Yeah. But the reason why I even bring this up is, you know, you're, you were a massage therapist and I've been a massage therapist for over 10 years now. And, um, you know, one of the most common things is that when someone gets hurt, they just want to be fixed immediately. And that's why I'd asked, um, you know, coming from you, even though you were in the field, that we are exactly the same in terms of therapists and clients. You know, yeah. we all want to heal very quickly. We all want those immediate results. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's going to take a toll on the mental side of healing whenever yeah. you're just trying to force it physically. So let's kind of get into that, the mental aspect. So, sure. You know, yes, physically you're trying to heal, but at the same time, the faster you were trying to go, the more of a detriment it ended up being. And then you're putting yourself even further out, you know, let's just say. So what were, what were some of the things that you were thinking about emotionally or mentally um, whenever you weren't able to practice anymore? Yeah. So I, again, you know, I just, I beat myself up emotionally for it. I, I said things to myself or thought things to myself like, what's wrong with me? Why, why am I still hurting? I should already feel better. I should already be able to go back to work. Um, I had a really distorted perception about what it, what, what a true car accident can do to you. Not just the obvious, right? There's all kinds of systems and processes that are happening in bodies. And if we don't take time to honor those, right? That, and that's exactly what I did do, right? I didn't take time to honor that. I thought, no big deal. I didn't see blood. I didn't see broken bones. I'm fine. Not even thinking about, you know, the trauma effect, how, what that does to the brain. I mean, there's so many different things that are happening. And yet here I was and I'm like, no, I can't stop. I just, I have to keep going. And so in hindsight, yeah, if I had taken maybe three months off, like the doctor probably really wanted me to do, and I just took time to recover, I probably, well, I want to say probably, I might have, I might have been able to recover fully without having surgery years later and stuff like that. But at the time I was a lot younger. I was a lot more uh, edgier. I didn't know how to be still with myself. I, I really didn't. I think that was the biggest fear I had was, oh my God, what am I going to do that I can't be physically active? Yeah. So uh, one thing that I say, I mean, I'm not a parent yet, but I always say, um, if you could go back in time and tell yourself something different, would you listen to yourself? And in most cases, what is everyone's answer? Yes. <laughs> well, it, yeah, yeah. So it would just be that, you know, would you even your future self be able to convince yourself otherwise, you know? So if a doctor's telling you and your future self tells you, it's like, you're probably not going to listen because you're young and you're just going to do whatever it is that you want to do. I think that applies to, you know, parenting also, but going beyond that um, in terms of, you know, the struggle um, getting out of it, you know, and you were saying that, yes, you're impatient or, you know, trying to just recover, which ultimately resulted in you kind of 
dragging out being emotionally distraught for two years, you know, rather than taking mm -hmm. like three months to recover, not just physically, but mentally. Right. And instead of it being three months, it ended up being, you know, two years before you had that reality check with your friend there. So, right. so in terms of once you've found that person, which I think furthers the point of, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people, with the positive mm -hmm. people who have, um, who can ultimately get you out of those types of things. Yeah. Um, where did it go from there? Right. So that car ride home that evening after, and I have no other words for this woman other than to say that she was a guardian angel and just appeared at the right time. Because although we had a friendly relationship, it was only through the fact that I worked at the gym and she came to the gym. We didn't, you know, go out on the weekend or go out, to, you know, to dinner or anything like that. And then after that, I only saw her a couple more times and I've not seen her ever since. And we didn't have a falling out or anything. It's just we kind of parted ways. But that that inquisition, right? That 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 those questions that she asked me that evening really, really opened my soul. Um, it it literally just it it like my soul just kind of thrust wide open because for the first time somebody was seeing and telling me a completely different reality than I had been living for almost two and a half, almost three years at that point. And so that car ride home looked like this, something very different from the time I got fired from that telemarketing job. On the car ride home, it was more like, you know what? Maybe she's right. Maybe you are hiding out. Maybe it is time for you to kind of pick it up and step up and, you know, figure out what you're going to do with your life and not, not settle, right? Stop settling. And if I'm being honest, which I always am, I I was settling in all areas of my life. I had been in a romantic relationship with my boyfriend then of about, I would say we were going on almost 11 years. He had been unfaithful to me once that I knew of. And then we, again, I, I stayed because he promised he wouldn't do it again. So I, I started to look around and I started to realize that I had been settling in so many different areas of my life. It wasn't just the job. It was, it was physical, right? I even let the doctors treat me like crap because I didn't have enough confidence to speak up for myself and say, no, you know what? I don't agree with that diagnosis and I need another MRI because I know my body and I know there's something wrong, right? So that car ride home was definitely one that if I were a fly in the wall, I would have been taking some notes because I was like really sort of like my own cheerleader. I was like, yeah, like you can do this. I was like, this woman is so right. Like, what have you been doing this whole time? Right. It's almost like this higher self emerged. And I had this ability to then see myself differently. Right. However, I was terrified. I was terrified of what that meant. Because I knew that it meant change and I knew that it meant that I would have to change a lot of, of different things in a lot of different areas of my life. And that actually frightened me more than staying stuck in that mediocre life that I was living. But I also knew that I had to change. It's like once the butterfly starts to break out of the cocoon, you can't put it back in because it's not going to survive. Right. It's either got to fly and learn or it's just going to. And so once, you know, my soul was ripped wide open, I was like, you know what? I've got to do this. I'm terrified to do this, but I'm going to do this. Yeah. 
No, that's awesome. And I think that's just such a, a powerful testament to, you know, just being kind to everyone because you never know what one thing you might say to somebody that sets them on the path of, you know, turning their life around like what she did for you, which I think Agreed. is absolutely amazing. Um, because, it is. Yeah. Look how much you've done with your turnaround. You know, you're, you've been super successful and you're making it a point to be inspirational and uh, motivate other people to continue to do good also. So that's all from just one little small conversation, you know, yeah, one divine intervention. That's, that's all it, it took. Yeah. Yeah. So now that, you know, you've turned things around, you know, let's kind of put this into a little more positive spin. Yes. That was your struggle. You overcame, you had somebody to get you out of there. So ultimately from there, you eventually found what you would consider is your passion now, right? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I'm grateful for the, for the struggle because I don't know if I would have ever found what I was truly, truly designed to do. And there was a brief moment in there. So while I was trying to get back on my feet, I was like, you know what? She's right. Like, God, I'm educated. I'm like, I can do things. I can teach. I can do clinical work if I want to, you know? So I started applying for teaching positions. And lo and behold, I had like five interviews, like six weeks later, right? Because this was at towards the end of the summer. And in in that shift where I was trying to, you know, essentially change things about my life, the way that I wanted it to go, I hired a resume writer, I hired uh, a therapist, I hired, you know, I didn't even know about coaching at that time, but I hired a therapist, I hired a naturopath to help me regulate my my sleep cycle so I could get up much earlier, go to bed at a normal time, everything had to change. And so I got the people that I needed to help me because I, I don't believe that, you know, we can do these things completely on our own. Um, so I'm all about, you know, getting the help that we need, whether it's a coach, a doctor, whatever it is that you need, you need. The thing is, even though I was offered these amazing jobs and, and teaching and I did ultimately take one, the shoulder still didn't heal. And so now at this point, I was living with chronic pain every day. So I was starting to feel good emotionally, right? Because I'm like, this is great. Like I got rid of the the cheating boyfriend. I threw him to the curb and, you know, I got the new job and I'm like, I'm a professional now and I've got good health benefits and insurance and I'm feeling good mentally, except physically, I was still every day just like at my wit's end. So now that I had good health insurance, I go to a different doctor <laughs> And he says to me, no problem. I'll order an MRI, right? I had been begging a doctor for three years for an MRI, but because it was all attached to a lawsuit and a car accident, nobody wanted to know anything because it was all about money, right? And how much money, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it didn't help that the guy who hit me fell bankruptcy. Oh, so God. yeah, that just kind of threw that one in. I just figured I'll throw that one in for kicks, you know? <laughs> um, so here I am, I'm about five months into my job now, I'm working in middle school with special ed students, and I really loved it. And I go for the MRI, and the doctor calls me, and he says, I have good news for you. And I said, well, what's that? And he says, well, you're not crazy. I said, well, that's lovely. I said, thank you, because I had told him how I had been treated, you know, previous by a couple of doctors. He said to me, however, there is reason that you have pain. And I said, really? And what is that reason? He said to me, you have a torn labrum in your shoulder. He said, and it's pretty severe. And in my head, I'm going, yeah, no duh, <laughs> right? My shoulder kept subluxing every day for like two years. 
and it kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And all they wanted to do was shoot it up with cortisone or something to physical therapy. And I'm like, guys, like cartilage is broken. Like it's shredded. Like it's not going to put itself back together. So there I was once again confronted with, oh my God, here we go again. Life's going to change because now I have to have shoulder surgery. Could have had it three years previous when I first complained about it if I'd been diagnosed properly. But, you know, again, every in hindsight, everything's 2020. Right. So I had surgery in January of 2014, wound up being a much more complex procedure. It was not just an arthroscopic repair, wound up being an open shoulder surgery with lots of other nifty little components in there that I won't bore the audience with. But it was a very extensive rehabilitation period. And so now those three weeks that I was forced to be out turned into three months, turned into six months, which turned into, you know what? I think I'm going to start my own business right from the comfort of my own home because nobody is going to understand my physical needs the way that I can. And that is how I discovered my passion. That is how I went into coaching. That is how I built an online business. It was in the moments in which I was stuck at home, in the middle of the winter, feeling miserable physically. Uh, just because again, shoulder surgery, not a, not a piece of cake, <laughs> uh, contrary to what anybody might say, um, probably one of the worst surgeries you can have in terms of re recovery and rehabbing and all of that. And about four months after I resigned and I, th I threw everything I had into an online business, which thank God didn't really have a lot of startup costs, but it had a lot of hustle and grind, <laughs> oh, yeah. especially, oh, yeah. in, especially in the beginning. And it evolved over time. First, it was wellness coaching. Then it was confidence coaching. Then it was confidence coaching for entrepreneurs. But in the meantime, I had to support myself. So I worked um, as a freelance uh, virtual assistant, social media manager, and taught myself so much about online systems, online you know, social media platforms, all of this stuff. And then coaching clients started asking me to teach them how to become more visible, how to get more, you know, organic, you know, traffic to their website, organic traffic to their Facebook page. And over time, it's just blossomed and, and bloomed in ways that I could have never envisioned or imagined. And it's so beautiful. And I'm so grateful every day that I wake up and I still have some residual neck and shoulder problems even now, but the work I do is so meaningful that it, it, it doesn't even matter. It, it's Even if I'm having a tough day physically, it's like, okay, well, today I'll take a call, but I'll just put a heating pack on my back and my neck, right? Like it's, I can't describe, there's moments where I'm in awe of how far I've come and, and how how incredible this whole online entrepreneurial world is. I've got clients all over the world and it's still fast. It fascinates me. I'm like, how did you find me? Where are you from? Like, I, I never even heard of the country. Like what? And it, it just, I, it blows my mind, but I'm, I'm grateful every single day. Wow. That is awesome. And I love the story. I love how, you know, even though you're going through a tough time, you still, went above and beyond and you pushed through all of that just to, you know, find what you're ultimately doing now. And I think that's just absolutely amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, you know, especially with 
all of the things that are going on currently, you know, current day. I think it's mm -hmm. extremely important just to always stay um, excited about something. So what's got you yeah. most intoxicated about today? Ooh, let's see. I decided last week that I was going to start my own podcast. Nice. Because I've been making the rounds and making, you know, I've been on tour, you know, getting on other people's podcasts and being in online summits and, you know, um, guest expert trainings and all this. And I said, you know what? It's time. It is time for me to start a podcast. And so for me, that is very exciting because it's brand new. It's a new skill set. I can dive in. I can watch YouTube videos. I can, you know, go into a course. I love learning and I always want to be evolving and learning and doing something to, like you said, stay passionate about. When people lose their passion, they lose their will to live. And I've, and I've witnessed that within my own family, which is a very sad reality. You have to find purpose and you have to be passionate. And for me, I have to create new things that I'm passionate about, right? And it's funny, I announced that to a couple of people and their reaction was so funny. I, I, I didn't realize it because we're so blind to ourselves, you know, but their reaction was, well, it's about time mm -hmm. or I'm surprised you didn't have one already. And I'm like, really? Like if you're all thinking this, why didn't anybody say anything? Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think uh, podcasts are absolutely amazing, you know, just kind of being able to, you know, be a part of somebody's day um, and then they get to hear mm -hmm. just, you know, things that they wouldn't otherwise hear. So uh, I'm a huge fan of podcasts also. Um, do you have any names uh, coming up or in your mind yet? Or are you still yeah, so this is what I'm struggling with, right? This is the next existential crisis I'm having. Right. So, um, it. I know what I want it to revolve around. I definitely want it to revolve around um, confidence and discovering one's passion and then living purposely and not living on default, right? I think that's what too many of us are doing, right? We kind of get stuck in things. We get in a rut. We do all the things that society tells us are the right things to do. Go to school, go to college, get a job, get married, have a kid, you know, have a house with a white picket fence and a Labrador retriever in the front yard, mm -hmm. you know, get the latest SUV, even though you can't afford it. It's like that whole story is so like blah. I don't want any part of it anymore. Yeah. And so for me, it, it's about being true to yourself. It's about following that passion. It's about all things motivational about, loving yourself unconditionally and so i'm playing around all these thoughts yeah, like, no, that's like, gonna be like awesome. the well-intentioned life or something like that i right? think that's, that's great yeah so if you end up uh launching it before this episode comes out let me know and we'll make sure to put that into the show notes here okay i will that's awesome awesome okay hey well it is now time for our sips of success and these are just quick questions for our audience to learn just a little bit more about you you ready lisa i am all right so who would you say is your biggest hero my mom. Awesome. Most definitely. Yeah, just in time for Mother's Day. Yes. Yeah, and so. although this may be a sad one because this is the first one without my mom here, I do definitely know that my drive and my ability and my compassion for others stems directly from her. And that's a beautiful thing. She passed on her legacy to me when she passed. And for me, 
carrying that out is the most beautiful thing in the way that I can honor her. Yeah. I mean, you, I literally couldn't have said it any better. So I'm glad that you're continuing to live her legacy. Absolutely. So what's your favorite way to de-stress? Oh, to go to the gym or to go to the beach. It is. It cannot separate the two. It's, it's gym and beach, gym and beach, beach and gym. It doesn't matter. Um, and I'm here in Connecticut, so we have a very short season for the beach. So it's like, okay, get the workout in then really early in the morning. And then let's just go to the beach and hang out there all day because that is my heaven on earth. Oh, man, that is awesome. I'm totally jealous that you even have a beach. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I'm, I'm actually sh- I'm shoreline. I'm in Connecticut on the shoreline. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So what was the best advice given to you that helped you through a tough time? Well, I would have to say that it was definitely my guardian angel there in that moment when I was in the ladies' bathroom cleaning the bathroom. Um, just to the fact that she had the courage to call me out and point out to me all the ways in which I was selling myself short. Right? She really, she really forced me to look at myself in a different way. And I'm eternally grateful to her. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So go ahead and share one of your personal habits that help you be your best self. Oh, I love this one. So this is something I don't know if a lot of people do this, but I kind of created this little system because again, being a psychology student, I'm always thinking about pairing things, right? Like how do we learn? How do we pair things? So for me, like I was saying, you know, exercise is incredibly important. I still do it every morning. Um, I have an elliptical rider at home. Thank God. Because with all the gyms being closed right now, I would have definitely gone out of my mind. Um, But I have an elliptical rider. And what I've done every single day for the past five years since I got that elliptical rider is to put positive affirmations in writing on post-it notes on the wall directly in front of my elliptical rider. Because I'm all about combining activity that's going to help me think better, feel better, you know, all of that perform better. So while I'm working out, I am literally doing positive affirmations every morning for at least 30 minutes because I'm on the elliptical for 30 minutes straight. And I am looking at a wall in front of me that says, I am happy. I am healthy. I am strong. I'm blessed. I'm beautiful. I'm wealthy. I'm abundant. Everything you can imagine. And I personally feel because you're you're at an elevated state of oxygen, right? You're like you have a high level of your brain is oxygenated, right? When you're in a aerobic state and you're you know you're sweating and you're breathing hard, you're very open at that moment, right? Because your your pupils are alert, you're you're just alert, right? So for me, I was like, well, I'm not gonna like watch a boring TV show because that's not me. I could listen to music, that's okay too. But I'm gonna just keep reset, like I'm gonna just keep saying it over and over and over again. And I swear to you, I have it down to a science where it's like, I don't need to look at the wall. I just know the affirmations the whole time I'm on that elliptical. That is how I start my morning every single day. Wow. I love that. That is so cool that you do positive affirmations and work out at the same time. I think uh, you know a lot of people struggle with confidence and it's usually because they speak so poorly to themselves, just like we were talking about earlier. Yes, exactly. And I used to do it. I know because I used to do it. And so now I'm like, you know what? I don't have time for the negative self banter. No, we're going to, we are going to put a weaponry of positive affirmations so that even when those negative thoughts come, because they will, 
right? We're not, none of us is immune to that. But when they come in, I've almost got like this entire fortress built of positive defense, right? So it's like they may try to poke through, but my, but my, you know, my stone wall of positivity is very strong. Yeah, that is absolutely amazing. So um, last question here, how do you define happiness and success? Ooh, I define it by whether or not at the end of the day, I can look at myself in the mirror knowing that I did everything I possibly could to carry out God's divine plan for my life and that I have been a better person that day than I was the day before. That's how I define it. Wow, that is awesome. And I love that because you can definitely tell that you have a heart for helping people and you can hear that in every single answer. I just absolutely love that. Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. So um, Lisa, now it's time for last call. And what that means is if you have any last piece of parting advice for our listeners, now's the time to say it. And, uh, you know, go ahead and finish with the best way that they can connect with you. Sure. So firstly, I just want to reiterate that self-confidence comes from self-love. It comes from self-acceptance. People think it comes from doing things outside of themselves, and that's not true. It has to be an internal mechanism. It has to be you feeling good about yourself, regardless of all the mistakes you've made, regardless of the times you think about that, oh, I could have done this differently. We could all go back and do that. But letting go of the shame and the blame and the guilt of all the things that you think were so catastrophic when you were younger is by far the best advice that I could give to anybody because when my life really shifted is when I decided that I was going to forgive myself, love myself and accept myself. And that's truly what I want for every single person that I meet. I want them to experience what I'm experiencing now because I know that they're going through what I already went through, you know, seven, eight years ago because I can see it. I work with clients on these things. I want them now to feel the joy of waking up and not having, you know, anxiety all day or feeling sad for no reason or, you know, looking in the mirror and and berating themselves. Like that makes me sad. That brings tears to my eyes because I know what it feels like to be that low. So for me, being above that now, I want other people to feel that. And the only way to become self-confident is to truly, again, accept and love yourself. It is the only way. You cannot rely on external circumstances to validate you. Wow. Yeah, that is great. Um, I definitely think that our listeners have had so much value, but we're going to take it one step further. So Lisa actually has a special gift for all of us, um, and it is something that's worth $97, and she's going to go ahead and give it to us for free just because uh, y'all are listening to us right now. And that is the Rookie Coaches Playbook. And it's a step-by-step guide to help you kick off your new online coaching business. So, you know, if you're kind of going through quarantine wondering what the heck you're going to do or you're thinking about doing something online, here's the perfect person to go ahead and help you get through all of that. So, Lisa, could you expand on how they can find you, um, you know, yes. social media and yes. the website? Absolutely. So the best way to find me, and, and I say this jokingly, but not really, 
Honestly, if you just put my whole name into a Google search bar, I promise you I will pop up. I will pop up on social media. I'll pop up on podcasts because I'm a visibility expert. So I'm pretty good at getting my name out there. Now, that being said, if you don't want to Google me, that's okay too. But connect with me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, those are the two platforms where I primarily am operating right now. And I would love to speak to any of you. If you care to email me, you can do that as well. You can email Lisa at positivetransformation.net. It's Lisa at positivetransformation.net. And yeah, whichever way feels best for you to get in touch is the way that I will meet you. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, Lisa, I cannot thank you enough for, you know, taking the time to be a part of our day and, you know, share your time with us. And thank you so much for all of the wisdom and the stories, especially. Thank you. I really appreciate this. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of BYOB Audio. We hope you found something valuable from the stories shared today. Make sure you subscribe and share with someone who may need to hear something from this podcast. We'll see you next time, but here's to you and your journey to a happier and more fulfilling life. Cheers. Cheers.